You guys know how local businesses is in our blood. We're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company, and it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. DRC offers innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, including aerospace, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and so much more. An ISO certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost effective and will meet your requirements. If you're in need of custom design, material selection for your project, or have a deadline to make for a large order, do not hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. Call them today at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com and tell them who sent you. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast. A little bit of a name change there. I got that part right. So we're starting off strong. Still presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products there and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout and you'll be in and out in minutes. Plus, you can use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph, as always. AJ is out today, but we figured with the name change, we would also introduce you guys to the newest member of the team in Evan Rowell. Probably messed up his name, but he's here with me. Evan, how are you doing? I'm good. No, you got it right. Usually uh, nobody gets it right, and it's not a big deal to me anymore because I've heard so many things over my life, but you did it good. Well, I got to cheat and ask you what it's like first, so maybe a little bit of an unfair advantage there, but good to hear it. Glad to have you on. I figured we should introduce you to everybody first, just kind of who you are and how you got into hockey. Yeah, so um, I have played, I played hockey my whole life, so I'm a native here, so I grew up in Littleton played for anybody who's local knows who the Foothills Flyers are. That's why I played for growing up. Played uh, last couple of years down in the Springs for the Colorado Rampage AAA team. And uh, yeah, as far as Av stuff goes, um, I was with BSN a couple of years ago, started the grades, uh, left for a little bit, was working with Mile High Sports, was credentialed working the games with them. And uh, opportunity came back to be, a, or t- came back to, I guess, come back to BSN. And uh, I jumped at it and I'm happy to be back. And I guess now I got to call it DNVR. Yeah, right. <laughs> Came back to BSN only to turn it into DNVR immediately. Yeah, I was so. just getting used to saying BSN again, and now I got to change it. <laughs> well, the prodigal son returns a little bit, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I back about, on the grades. Like, prodigal son. But. Yeah, well, that might be a bit much. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're glad to have you back. We're glad to have you on the grades. 
you've been not with us for most of the off season. So I kind of want to get into that and curious what you thought of the Avs moves, whether it be trading for Kadri or, or signing Don Scully, what stood out to you the most? Um, well, the Kadri trade's tough to ignore. That was, I love yeah. that one from the start. Um, I felt that he was the ideal number two center to bring in behind Nathan McKinnon. And right now it kind of looks like that's uh, working out that way. Um, I, you know, it was tough to give up Barry. And I think that's, they're depending on a lot of young defensemen to step up, but um, sometimes you got to make some tough decisions and they had the depth to do it. And uh, I think it's going to work out real well. Um, I like their off season for the most part. And, you know, most of the new guys seem to be fitting in really well. Yeah. I'm with you on the Kadri part, especially. I think he has every making of exactly the two C the Avs have been looking for for the past couple of years. So his hands are out of control in tight. They really are. He was showing it off again today and in practice. And it's, um, I guess sometimes you don't realize how talented these guys are until you see them up close. And that's kind of what I'm seeing here. Yeah. It's, it's always something different to see him in person, isn't it? Cause you saw him put up points in, in Toronto, but now that you get to see him every single day and constantly just handle in a phone booth, boy, it's fun to watch. Yeah, he's he's got the goods. Moving into kind of the preseason as well. It's been four games. The Avs have one win. That I'm not too worried about their record or anything. It's preseason. But some of the things in their process, not a huge fan of. We've talked, me and AJ, about the power play repeatedly. And, and I'm curious about your thoughts there as well. Well, I mean, I don't know how much you can take out of a power play, you know, when you're missing your main guys. And the one game McKinnon played, he was clearly not going all out. You know, I I would anticipate, I think, that the power play will struggle if Miko's not there because you watch it now with Burakovsky on the other side and, you know, the four guys honestly don't even look at him half the time. He's not even an option. And they're kind of forcing it to Kadri right now, um, trying to find something that maybe he's not there with the new guy. Um, I'm not super worried about it just because there's so much talent there. Um, but I think they'll get that figured out. Um, everything else, I mean, I really, I don't, I don't care about the record too much. Everything else looks pretty good. Um, and the big thing is that now everyone's starting to get healthy. EJ is skating in a pumpkin, I believe. Obviously, Cole he's, is still he's, out. He's full practice now. Oh, he's full contact now? Great. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Cole, obviously, still out, but skating. Wilson, I think, started skating at this point again. Yeah, he skated before practice, and he went pretty hard today. Um, but yeah, he didn't join the team. I, right. There's no real update there. Yeah, but at least out on the ice, pretty much everyone. And Zadorov's back to full practice as well. So everyone is roughly healthy at this point by the looks of it. Obviously, different stages. Someone like Cole, still a while off. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, being healthy after preseason is probably the most important thing. The Avs have certainly had trouble with that in the past. And that's how you end up with a Sheldon Dries in your opening night lineup. Yeah. Well, I mean, they might have someone else in their opening night lineup that we didn't expect. But that's I guess we'll get into that. Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to get into that now, we can. Uh, AJ and I talked up Shane Bowers quite a bit on the last show. But Jason Megna is a thing, apparently. Yeah, and I mean, he's not an exciting thing. I, w- I would say most Avs fans probably did not uh, see this coming. Um, and, you know, it's not – it kind of feels in one way like they're punting a decision here 
down the line rather than put a young guy on the fourth line. Um, but at the same time, he's come in a preseason and played well, and he's earned it. So um, it's hard to argue with that if you're going to go with a merit-based uh, decision here. He's you know he's done his part, and he's getting rewarded for it. Right. Uh, he has three points through the preseason so far, two goals. It's it's hard to argue. That's as many points as anyone on the Avs through this preseason to this point. And admittedly, a couple of those have been good luck finding pucks right in front of open nets, things like that. Yeah. But he's still in the position to finish those goals. And, and that does stand out. Yeah, and I mean, it's not a huge thing, but the last couple of years, the Avs have only really had, I think, two right shots. And right. when you have wingers, you know, they added Donskoy and Magna is a right shot. So, I mean, it does, you know, help out a little bit in that way. Um, it's a little bit easier to play, I guess, more in your own end, I would say, receiving a pass to clear it out, things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's not exciting, but he's 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 done enough to earn a job right now. And um, a lot will, I guess, depend on Colin Wilson's health and, you know, that other guy who's not here, um, if he ever shows up how long he sticks around. <laughs> Not even going to say his name. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you guys have gone over it plenty. We don't really, I think I would assume everyone knows who I'm talking about. I mean, I find a little bit of joy in, in poking the bear of AJ when just bringing up nuke, but yeah. And I mean, uh, Bedner said he was happy with him and he says he's getting better. And you know, I've, I've seen spurts in him. Um, nothing consistent over a full game, but you know, you can see why he was obviously a very high pick, but you can also see why uh, he did score a goal last year. Right. That's the consistency is, is a huge, huge issue for him. And it, one period out of a, every game looking strong, just at least for me, it's not enough. Yeah. It seems like he's pretty much a lock at this point. So, um, and to be honest, you know, the guys that we expected to push for a spot haven't exactly blown the doors off. I mean, Kamenev's been disappointing. I think Greer's been fine, but he hasn't done anything to really stand out in a big way. Um, the big surprise would be Bowers, but I think they would ideally like to start him in the AHL rather than putting him on the fourth line. That'd be my thought. So um, there's, he's you know, that was the fear that he'd be blocking someone, and, you know, he's not exactly been outplayed by a lot of people. Well, I mean, it's it's a tough situation, particularly because one of the best standouts is Shane Bowers, who plays center. So it's not a direct link with someone like Nachushkin. You're more looking at moving Belmar to the wing to fit a Bowers in. So it gets a little bit complicated, at least as far as the Nachushkin situation goes. It wouldn't surprise me to see him in the starting lineup for opening nights, but I'd be a little disappointed by it. Not going to lie. Yeah. And I mean, right now I think he's, he's playing with comfort and Nieto and right. Considering the jerseys, Wilson had the same Jersey on today. So whenever Wilson comes back, it's safe to assume he's going to take that spot. So if Nachushkin is playing, he's probably going to play on the fourth line with Belmar and Calvert and, I, he might stick out like a sore thumb with those two. So um, him and Bowers are playing very different games and very obviously different positions. So uh, I think Bowers has outplayed him, but you know you have to look a little bit long-term there at the same time. Yeah, and 
if it is really just a plug and place replacement of Colin Wilson, I am not going to be overly upset with that, especially if it if it knocks everyone down the lineup and someone else ends up on the bench might be a bit more of a problem. But if it's just swap them in and swap them out, you can manage that. But we'll go ahead and end segment one here. We'll get more into some of those other forwards that Evan mentioned in segment two. Also, though, I need to take a second to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. I've told you about a ton of their beers at this point, but the one we're crushing on as of late is the Colorado Core. Their semi-sweet half beer, half cider, has apple in there. Really delicious, really light, easy to drink on any given night. You can just put one down, and I plan on doing it when I'm in the studio tomorrow, the now DNBR studio. We have a bunch of awesome stuff planned in there, so look forward to that as well, and you might see me drinking one of those. Beyond the Colorado Core, you can look for it in your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer for that matter. And make sure to keep an eye out for our Breckenridge event calendar as well. We have all of our watch parties planned on there where we will be drinking those Breck beers. Please, RSVP, come out, have a good time, and watch some Avs with us. Second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast with Nathan and Evan today. Shoot, I said BSN. DNBR. I knew I was going to do it. It was bound to happen. Yeah. All right. Well, the DNVR Avalanche podcast with Nathan and Evan. We're talking about the forward battle a little bit before we jump back in. Evan, you were you did not have the chance to be a part of our little preseason roundtable event, and I was curious what your hot take for the Av season was. Well, uh, my hot take goes against Dario's hot take. I think Grubauer is going to be a top five goalie in the league uh, this year's. Statistic-wise, um, hasn't exactly blown the doors off this preseason, but um, I have always been a believer in him. Uh, his struggles last year in the middle of the year never made sense to me because he looked like a completely different goalie than the one I had watched in Washington. Um, but at the same time, his end of the season did not surprise me at all because I thought that was always there. So I think he's going to uh, have a big year, and I guess a lot will depend on what's in front of him, but I think the pairing of Gerard McCarr is generally going to keep the puck out of their own zone. So I'm not sure he's going to face a ton of action uh, when they're on the ice. And I think he's going to do quite well. Top five. That's, that's pretty bold. So you got to have the abs as finishing strong as far as standings are concerned. If Grubauer is playing that well. Yeah. And I mean, goalies are weird. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. I mean, he could have a top five year and then next year, who, who the heck knows? So, um, I'm just a believer in his game, and I think he's uh, going to be – if he's a top-five goalie, he's a steal at what the Avs are uh, paying him. Yeah, no doubt. The The last two years of that deal look fantastic if he, he turns on the Jets and looks like he did at the end of last season for an entire year. That's going to be some strong, strong look for the Avs. It's – do you, do you have them pegs for competing for the Central Division then? Yeah, I think it's them and Nashville would be my, my two. I still think Nashville is, even without Subban, that's a really good team in the regular sure. season. We'll see how things go in the playoffs, but I just think that's a really, really good, really deep team and that the Az will compete with them for the Central Division title. All right, so home ice in the first round in any case. Uh, that's what I'm going with, yep. I like it. 
I like the confidence. Someone who we've lost confidence in a bit over this preseason, Vlad Kamenev. At this point, have you just written it off, or, or is there something he can still do to, to earn that kind of final roster spot? Uh, it's tough to say. I mean, it's you have to remember this is a guy who has barely been able to play hockey consistently for a year and a half. So um, we have high hopes for him, or relatively high hopes, but you know he hasn't played an actual game in 10 months. So he's still probably getting back into it tomorrow. I'm assuming he's going to play tomorrow because he was in the second group that Bednar said is mostly going to go tomorrow. So this is kind of his last chance to prove it. And um, even if he, you know, if he goes out there and does well, I'm not sure he has a great chance of staying with the Avs. You know, we'll kind of see. Um, I'm sure they could sneak Magnus through waivers. So that's business decisions always going to come into play. But I, I do like his game. He just has looked very timid through the preseason games that he's gotten into. Yeah, right. I think the issue there is his lack of engagement. It He just doesn't want to get in and do the dirty work. And for a player that is already established in the NHL, as you mentioned with McKinnon not going 100%, that's perfectly fine in the preseason. But for someone with barely 25 NHL games under his belt and hasn't played in so long, as you said, still fighting for a roster spot, it just isn't a good look. Yeah, and I mean, he's never going to be the type of guy that goes all out right. trying to blow people up. It was funny. I mean, his first shift of the preseason, he blew somebody up along the boards, and then it was like, oh, this year's going to be different. And then I think it was his next shift. He got destroyed twice, and since then, he just has not looked good in the preseason. So he's he seems content, and this is kind of his, you know, he's a very cerebral player. He's uh, he's content being that third man high and not really getting in there. And I think he's got to be, I guess, got to show a little bit more as far as like getting his nose dirty and um, getting in on the plane, being aggressive. And he just has not shown that. And he really has not created much of anything offensively, especially on the power play where he can be very good. We saw it at times last year. Right. I think that's... The big issue is if you want to be a cerebral player that shies away from contact, you have to be able to provide that offensive impact. And we haven't seen that either. So he's kind of stuck in the middle and hasn't shown much of anything either way. He has been pretty good on the power pl- or penalty kill. And, you know, he's always been a decent faceoff guy. But, you know, faceoffs are less of an issue this year with Belmar and Kadri. So I don't know if that's going to really help him much along the way. Yeah, well, I think being strong on the penalty kill certainly will help. Uh, The reality, at least for me, I had him pegged as the 13th forward anyway, so maybe on the roster, but not in the lineup. And for him to get in, being able to penalty kill, being able to step into a bottom six role like that would be key. Granted, with the emergence of Bowers, with the four centers the Avs already have, it's going to be hard for him to find consistent time at center. Yeah, and it, it'll be interesting to see the roster decisions the Avs make because they have a lot of waiver-eligible players that they may not want to make that decision right away. They may want to kick the can down the road, and you know it could lead to them even starting the season with 14 forwards, 7D, you know, the other way around, 13 forwards, 8D. You just never know. And if they go 14 forwards, I think it'll, because they don't, it'll be because they don't want to risk losing him for nothing. 
and they've created a hard situation for themselves there, haven't they? Because they have 9D, at least, that could reasonably be on the roster and probably about 14 or 15 forwards. So they're going to have to waive someone one way or the other. It's just a matter of who they would prefer to avoid that with. Yeah, and, and I guess when, because if if it really is who has earned the spot, to me, the bottom pair should be Timmons and uh, Rosen. Yeah, I'm um, with you on that. But they're both, they can go down to the AHL without having to pass through waivers. So right. if they do that, then they got to waive at least one defenseman. And I'm not sure they want to waive one or even two defensemen. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's, I mean, that's the problem good teams have. The Az were in the opposite position two or three years ago, and now they have too many players that they're probably going to lose somebody for nothing. Which isn't the worst problem to have. No, I I mean, like I said, that means you're on the upswing and not uh, at the dead last in the NHL. For sure. And the other forward that you're looking at potentially a waiver issue with is AJ Greer. As you said, you think he's been solid, hasn't really stood out a ton through the preseason, but has had good moments doing some of the things that Kamenev isn't, getting into those dirty areas, battling for pucks, etc., has had some issues in the offseason that we've talked about plenty. Is there still something there, or are we looking down kind of the barrel here for AJ? I think there is something there. It's just it's not a high-end NHL player, uh, and I don't think anyone's expecting him to be a top six forward. Um, I'm not even sure he can be a top nine forward. We've seen in the preseason that his hands are just not really there. He had plenty of chances in that first game to create something, and just nothing happened. He had a couple breaks and he just lose the yep. puck or roll off his stick. So um, I think he's had shifts where you can see what type of player he can be. It's just not been consistent. Um, he had that shift in Minnesota where he battled along the boards, drove to the net and created that, helped create that goal. So that's kind of what you wanted to see on more of a consistent basis. Uh, he, like Kamenev, has been given a shot on the penalty kill, but uh, and it's always good to show well in spots where, you know, you can – maybe fill a role there, but I don't think he's really done anything to stand out. It's a fair argument to make. The question just becomes, what do you do with him? Does he really need more AHL time? I don't think he's going to gain a ton from that. It's just the question of, can he help you in the NHL? No, and I, I asked him uh, during training camp if he thinks he's done with the AHL or if he has anything left to prove down there. And he was very, you know, he didn't want to say that, but... You know, you can tell he thinks he's ready for an NHL job, and Kamenev said the same thing. Uh, you have to realize that these guys are not just playing for NHL jobs on the Avs that other teams are watching. And if the Avs don't want to lose them for nothing, they could maybe, you know, if they don't feel like there's a future there, you could see these guys move in the next couple of days. Yeah, it's very possible, whether it be through waivers or otherwise. Getting something instead of getting nothing is usually a good strategy. So, Oh, yeah. One other guy that I don't think he was ever really in the conversation to make the opening night lineup, but has been solid is Martin Kaut. And AJ and I have had him pegged for, you'd like to see him get into NHL games by Christmas. The On the other hand, the Avs do have the option of keeping him in the AHL. As long as he's less than the, the nine game barrier, you can get another year out of that ELC with him. Where Where do you sit on Kaut? I, I've liked him in preseason. I 
I've always, whenever I've watched him, he's just reminded me of Jakob Silverberg, and I still see it just in the way that he moves and plays. Uh, it, it really, I, you know, it kind of throws me off when I talk to these guys. So I talked to him after the game the other night, and he, he mentioned how different it was playing on the North American ice last year and, you know, that adjustment that people make. And I guess sometimes we can underestimate that because it is a little bit different if someone you've, you've been playing your whole life on the big rig. So I think he's done well. You know, he he got jumped the other night, but I'm not sure he was totally innocent. He was kind of poking the bear. Uh, but you you like to see that he's he's showing a different side of him. And Bedner said you're you know you're starting to see him develop a personality on the ice, and he's playing more of a straight line game. And they've given him shots, and I think he's he's played pretty well. And you know I would hope that they're not just going to keep him in the AHL to keep that ELC extending to where they can just keep getting a five year ELC if he's earned it and he looks ready. I think they should give him a shot, and I think he at least for now, is showing that he could step in at some point this year. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of where we keep boiling down to is, will the Avs give the players who've earned it their due this year? We've seen that not always be the case, but with strong performances from players like Timmons, from players like Bowers, from players like Kaut, at a certain point, you can't ignore it anymore. Yeah, and I mean, if they're going to keep pushing this young players, you know, these guys or whoever earns the spot, you know, is going to get the call up. Then they got to show it. They can't just default to the veteran who's down in the AHL, who's played a couple NHL games in the past. They need to call up who has actually deserved it. And, you know, Kaut and Bowers, those are guys that you would imagine have long-term futures in the NHL. You got to at least see where they're at and get some sort of gauge of how close or how far they are. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, and we'll call the the second segment right there as we get into kind of some odds and ends in this battle in the third segment. But first, we now have multiple subscribers that have partnered with us to help promote their business. Chad with Houselift has an incredible service for you. If you or your friends are thinking about selling your house but it's not in tip-top condition, go to houselift.com. They'll show you how to maximize your profit. If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing these costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page. You can find both at houseliftcolorado.com and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from fifteen dollars to $60,000 more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they'll sell your home without charging a listing commission. Third and final segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast with Nathan and AJ. That's uh, sounds a little, no, I messed it up again. I said AJ instead of Evan, so we're getting warmer. By, the, by next week, I'll have this down pat. Don't worry. But talking to Evan today, the new man on DNVR, well, old new man because he used to be here, but I am pretty old, though. You're not that old. <laughs> I'm grizzled. How old are you? I don't even know. Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to say, but you know, it's I'm an age. <laughs> all right. All right. A, a true gentleman never reveals his age. I see. Yeah. <laughs> well, jumping in 
to your thoughts again. Some of the X factors on the Avs. A lot of positions, a lot of pieces getting moved around this year. Looks like there could be some openings in the top six. Who do you think really needs to stand out to help this team? Well, I think the obvious one is Tyson Jost. Um, he's he's played wing at every single practice that I've been to, which has been pretty much all of them. But the two games he's played, he's played center. And I asked you know Bednar today if that's just a fluid situation or if they'd like to you know keep him in one spot. And he said it's just it's fluid. He liked him at the end of last year at center, but the reality is Jost wants to be a top six forward and. The only place to play on the top six right now is on wing. So yep. um, right now he's with Kadri. He mentioned that, you know, they still do need to find a winger with McKinnon and Landeskog until Miko's back. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jost gets a shot there too, but um, he's a big X factor. This is, you know, the third full year you need to see, or at least you hope to see a little bit more offense and, you know, it seemed like he was really starting to come on at the end of last year and get more comfortable after that AHL stint. And uh, he's looked pretty good in camp so far, and I think he's looked okay in the games too. So um, he's not somebody that's going to drive his own line. But as the third wheel, you know, he could. he's obviously talented. You can go 10th overall if you don't have talent. So I think he, he's a big X factor for this team. So kind of getting into that conversation as you alluded to Jost possibly being on the top line alongside Landis Gog and McKinnon. Another potential X factor is Andre Burakovsky and the preseason hasn't been great for him. No, it has not. He dropped down a line in practice today. He's with Kadri now. I had concerns about him when they acquired him. I, you know, just about how intelligent he is on the ice and if he can keep up with those high skilled players because he's clearly talented you can see it he, he he makes talented plays but he doesn't quite think the game there's been a couple times in these games where you can tell he's not in the right spot or where he should be and some of that might just be i mean he's on a new team he's still learning the system but uh, you saw it again today in practice Kadri expected him to be somewhere where he wasn't so um the skill is there he obviously th- thinks he's going to get a good shot here and so far through camp they're giving him an opportunity to play with skill and uh, he hasn't really done a whole lot with it, but, you know, it's still preseason. He could always uh, kick it up a notch when the season starts. Right. I I think that's a key here is I really do want to see these last two preseason games. They're generally more NHL leaning. The rosters are, are more what you can expect closer to opening nights. And all the veterans and, and NHL regular types do start to step it up a little bit. So there still is time to to prove you're a quality player that can fit in, in a role like that. Yeah, it sounds like the game tomorrow might not be that way, at least for the Avs. But Saturday's the final preseason game definitely will be. So that'll be uh, his chance to show what he can do. Yeah, I guess the Avs do still have a 37-man roster for some reason. So yeah, they got yeah. plenty of bodies. I guess they don't want to send the vets to Vegas, which I'm sure some of them, you know, they're probably happy in the preseason not to go there. (laughs) True enough. Not have to travel is always nice. Yeah. Let's bring it back around then. Talk about Burkowski a little more, probably over the week and with the further games. But there are still a couple of guys. Admittedly, we're probably on the outside of the positional battle, but Sheldon Dries and Logan O'Connor. Dries played half the season in the NHL with the Avs last year. We'll see. He kind of ended the season as the Avs seemed like they were kind of done with that experiment. But it's someone that Bednar 
knows what to expect out of. Yeah, and I guess that's probably why he kept going back to him last year is that familiarity that, you know, here and that trust in preseason and it just carried on through pretty much the entire season. Uh, he's been very quiet this year. Last year, he obviously was kind of a big surprise um, coming off an AHL deal and somehow making the team out of camp. Uh, but, you know, he's been pretty quiet and he's had good opportunities. He was on the top line in Minnesota. He played with Kadri the other night and uh, outside of one rush, didn't really do much. And his ice time is, you know, he hasn't, he's not playing a lot. So um, not really seen it this year. I, you know, I, I guess that's a testament to the, the depth this year that a guy who started last year might not even be anywhere close to the roster when it comes this year. I don't think Drys should be on the starting roster given the preseason that he's had. They even had him on the second power play the other nights and it didn't really seem to be clicking together. So, it, and this is kind of, I think, the same thing we learned over the course of last season is that the offense just isn't quite there consistently for him. Yeah, there was a definite dip last year in his play as the season went on. I think a lot of that was they were trying to force him into play center, and I'm not sure he's a center. But overall, I mean, I would put him pretty, I guess, I wouldn't say pretty far down the line, but he's not, I don't think he's on the radar to make the team right now. Probably not even at the top of the injury call-up list, if we're being honest. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's the depth is there this year. There wasn't there last year. The other guy with NHL experience, kind of in the same boat, Logan O'Connor. Kind of the same story there, right? Not a whole lot more to say. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he was bad that first game when he got to play with Belmar and Calver, but uh, he was obviously the third wheel on that line. Uh, the re- I think they do like him because he can obviously fly, and that's how Bedner wants to play. He wants speed. So, you know, I, you know, he was always my dark horse to be hanging around this long, so it wouldn't completely surprise me if he played a good chunk of games this year, but, you know, he was pretty invisible the other night. Yeah, I... And, you know, that's not the worst thing in the world for a guy who's realistically fighting for a fourth-line job if you're not getting notice for anything negative. You kind of did your job. Yeah. And I mean, these are all Dries, O'Connor. These are good AHL players. So it's not, it's good depth to have. It's just they're not, they're being pushed down the lineup and that's what you want. Yeah. That means your system is working. (laughs) You're developing some prospects maybe. Well, I do want to talk about the power play a little bit as well. You kind of alluded to once the Miko situation is sorted out. The Avs will have the big three in Kadri on the top power play unit, but how would you shape the second one? Uh, well, Gerard is pretty clearly going to run that unit. Uh, yeah. I think Comfer is a lock there because they use him a lot to get in the zone. Uh, same with Domskoy. I think those two are going to be interchangeable as far as who's uh, entering the zone. Domskoy is essentially a guaranteed controlled zone entry every time he has the puck. That guy's out of control with his hands. <laughs> so uh, beyond that, we can never count out Colin Wilson. Whoever, whenever he comes back, he played on the first unit last year. He's good in that bumper roll in the slot. Uh, he's just, you know, he's a wily veteran. He knows kind of what to do there. And uh, Tyson Jost, I think he'll fill out that spot. So I think if those five were healthy, I think those would be the five. Um, unless I'm Burkowski right now is on the top unit. I don't like him on the top unit just because what I mentioned is 
they don't really look to him, and I don't think he's a fit there. He's not much of a threat. So it wouldn't completely surprise me if they put Donskoy up there. But as far as the second unit goes, I think it's mainly going to be those younger guys. So Donskoy would be your pick to fill in on the top one, not a Jost. Uh, yeah, right now I would pick Donskoy. I think he's just, you know, he's a more skilled player and a more proven player to fit on that top unit. Uh, you'll get no argument from me there. I've loved his game. I just don't think Jost is much of a shooting threat right now. We've seen him try to take some one-timers on that wing. It's just not working out. So, um, And I think it'd be good for his development to maybe handle the puck a little bit more on that second unit and maybe be more of the guy. Yeah, I I would like to see him handle the puck a bit more, especially you know if he continues to look strong in that center position. It's kind of necessary. For sure. Well, yeah, I mean, he's going to play... He's going to be the Swiss Army knife again, him and Comfer. So, yeah, bouncing all over the place. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's up to those guys to... It, it sounds like they want that second unit to play a little bit more this year because they have more talent to spread out. However, we'll see. I mean, when you have Nathan McKinnon and Miko Randon fully running that top unit, it's hard not to just keep them out there for a minute and a half. For sure. All right, final thoughts of this podcast... We'll keep it brief, but the Rantanen situation, what are your thoughts on it? What are your expectations for a contract? How do you see this all ending up? I mean, at this point, it's a, it would be an absolute, unless the Avs immigration people are just on fire, ready to go when this thing gets done. If it got done right now, he's missing the start of the year, and that's a big, uh, big disappointment for both sides. Uh, this is supposed to be an exciting year. For the Avs, a big year step, a big step forward, and uh, they're going to start the year without their second best forward, and that's disappointing. Um, as far as how it gets done, I really hope it's not a three-year deal. I am not a fan of these three-year deals, and I don't want—I don't think the Avs want to be negotiating another Miko Rantanen contract right before they got to negotiate Nathan McKinnon's monster deal. So, I think. Just keep plugging away at a long-term deal. If you've waited this long, you gotta you gotta figure it out long-term. If the, if it if all of this leads to just them signing a bridge deal, that'll be disappointing. At what point do you just cave and pay him whatever he's asking? Well, it's not my checkbook. I would have done that probably by now already. Um, <laughs> I probably would have done that after I watched Burkowski skate a couple times on that top line. But I, I mean, it's. It, if they get off to a tough start, then the pressure is going to be on them to make something happen because the fans are pretty excited and you don't want to lose that excitement right now, especially, you know, this could be a good thing long-term and you don't want to sour the relationship here. Yeah, absolutely. It's always easier to spend the money when it's not your checkbook, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, we haven't even talked about it, but you know, we talked about it a little bit, but Johnson and Zadorov came back today. Everyone's, starting to get healthy right. you know it's just miko every, now everything's in place except miko and i guess colin wilson so yep yep all the pieces are there except for one <laughs> a bit he's right. a big piece too yeah just just a bit you know the second best player on the team arguably yeah he's big literally and i guess on that on the lineup as well <laughs> all right well we can end it there with thoughts of the the big man, Miko. Hopefully it gets done soon. Hopefully the Avs forward battle becomes a little bit clearer after the game tomorrow. 
as always, thank you for listening, and you will hear from us again tomorrow as well. If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helpful helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.